are in the last week of our GOAT series. If you didn't know, GOAT uh, is an acronym. It stands for the greatest of all time. Uh, and so far in this series, we've done some informal uh, surveying of you guys. And so I'm just going to have four that I'm going to throw back at you that you guys were pretty uh, definitive on. We were split on some of them, but you were pretty definitive on these. Uh, MJ is the GOAT of basketball. All right? there, I don't think a single person voted LeBron when we had that one. Uh, Toy Story is the GOAT Disney movie. It's the greatest Disney movie of all time, which, all right, cosign, I'm with you on that one. Coke is the GOAT drink, all right, it's like way better than Pepsi. Uh, and then the last one was Shawshank Redemption is the GOAT movie. It is the best movie of all time, according, according to you guys, all right. Uh, and in this series, uh, we've been concentrating, we've been looking at uh, Romans 8. And the reason is because if you were to ask most theologians what's the greatest book of the Bible, they would say Romans. And if you were to press on them and ask uh, what's the greatest chapter in Romans, they would say Romans chapter 8. Right, so Romans 8 is the GOAT, the greatest of all time, chapter of the Bible. And the portions of Romans 8 that we're going to uh, cover today are some of just honestly, some of the most powerful and encouraging verses. And I just want to tell you guys, don't miss it because you're distracted. Uh, don't miss it because your mind is somewhere else. Right, I'm going to be quick today. So if you lean in for the next 20 minutes, I believe God has a word for you. I believe God's going to encourage you uh, through his word. And so right now what I want us to do is I just want us to get our hearts ready to receive what God has for us this morning. So you guys put your arms out, put your palms up, close your eyes, take a deep breath. Remember that God is just as near as the air that you're breathing. Uh, let's pray. God, would you guide us closer to you? Help our minds to put away the distractions uh, of this upcoming week. Help us to put away the frustrations of this past week. We want to fully focus on you. Uh, we come empty with nothing to offer but surrender. Fill us up as only you can. Holy Spirit, move in here today with power. We believe that in advance. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. About 30 years ago, uh, there was a large bridge built in Honduras. Uh, and it was called the, uh, I'm probably pronouncing this wrong, but the Chaluteca Bridge. Okay, it's this large bridge in Honduras. And shortly after its construction, uh, there was a big hurricane that blew through Central America. It blew right through Honduras. And people were really concerned uh, that this bridge, that it wouldn't make it. Millions of dollars, it's uh, years invested into building this thing. And so it makes sense when a storm comes, it's like totally understandable. For it to be fearful, it's like, hey, we just built this thing. Is it going to make it through this hurricane? Is it going to make it through this storm? Uh, but it was a well-constructed bridge. It was strong. And so it weathered the storm well. It made it through the storm, uh, the bridge itself virtually unscratched. But there was a problem. Uh, the problem wasn't the bridge surviving the storm, it did it. Uh, it was what happened after the storm. See, the storm, that hurricane was so severe, it was so extreme that it actually moved the flow of the river to a different area. So uh, there was no longer water under the bridge. And the hurricane, it destroyed everything around this, this newly constructed bridge. i got a picture I want to show you. This is the Chaloteca Bridge right there. So the water used to come, and it went right over it. And then there's this huge storm, and all right, it moves the flow of the river. And they're left with a bridge that it literally goes nowhere. 
right? It, it literally goes, no, now, uh, it didn't collapse. Uh, it was constructed to survive the storm. But after the storm, its purpose was gone. Its purpose was stripped away from it. It was meant to connect, and now it's a bridge to nowhere. And what I want to uh, tell you guys is, I think that's many people's faith. Their faith is a good bridge. It does what they want it to do in the easy times, but it's a bridge to nowhere during the hard and dry times. It's a faith that can't handle suffering. It's, it's really easy to talk about victory in Jesus, which I want to be clear, we absolutely have, uh, but it's a lot harder to talk about suffering. And I think that's unfortunate because uh, we are all, everybody here is going to experience suffering. Like, I can tell you that intellectually, I can tell you that theologically, like we live in a broken world. But more than that, I know it experientially. You know it experientially because of what has happened in, in your life and not only your life, but the lives around you. Um, I'm just going to be a little real here. Like there are people who are regularly in this room, regularly in this room who have had to endure or are currently enduring things like uh, the loss of a loved one, uh, a chronic illness that is something that's, it just seems like it's never going to go away, uh, financial issues or, or bankruptcy maybe, uh, parenting struggles, they're just, they can't figure out how to parent their kids, uh, sexual abuse, uh, infertility or miscarriages, uh, divorces and co-parenting issues. And I'm sure that there's more that no one even knows about. And why am I saying that? Because enduring suffering, going through those hard times is something that everybody in here is going to have to do. We're all going to suffer on this. And it's not the same for everyone, but everyone is going to experience some suffering. It's like a part of the package. It's a broken place. And I think that's why it's so important that we have to address suffering. Because if we don't address, if we don't show what God's word has to say about something that everyone is going to experience, we've missed it. We don't want a faith that's only going to work for us in the good times. We want a faith that's going to sustain us in the highs and the low. We don't want a faith that's like a bridge going nowhere. We want a faith that's going to ground us in the good times and in the bad times. In Romans 8, the Apostle Paul, he kind of lays this out. We read uh, verse uh, we read this verse last week, but I think it's important to, to start here this week. If you want to follow along in the Bible app, all these verses are ready to go for you. I'm going to kind of go quick today, so they're not on the screen. Uh, but it says this in Romans 8, verse 17. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we want to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Says as his children, we get to share his glory, but we also get his suffering, right? And if it were to end there, he'd be like, well, that's great. We're, we're going to suffer. <laughs> that's, that's a part of it. But then we go to the next verse. In verse 18, it says this. And yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. Remember, as a child of God, as children of God, we get to share not just the suffering, right, but also the glory. Paul, he's reminding us that it's going to be worth it. He's saying, I know things might not look good right now. You wish things were different. But it's nothing compared to what's coming. Don't lose hope. 
He's given us what we need so we can endure the suffering that is going to happen to us on this earth. It's going to happen. He continues in verse 19, For all creation is waiting eagerly for the future day when God will reveal who his children are. So not only are God's children eagerly waiting, it says that creation is looking forward to it as well. It says creation looks forward to the day when God will join, uh, looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom, freedom from death and decay. Doesn't that sound awesome? Freedom from death and decay. We are looking forward to that day, and yet it isn't here yet. That's the tension of where we're at right now. Right? We believe there's going to be a day when, when Jesus restores everything, there's going to be no death, no decay. But we're not there yet. And so what is going to keep us going? Because it can be hard just to wait for that glorious day. Like, I know it's coming, but like, there is a storm in my life right now. Like, things are hitting the fan right now. It's going crazy over here. What are we going to hold to? I'm going to hop down to verse 28. This is... Um, a verse that actually, if you were to press on those same theologians, what's the greatest book? They say Romans, what's the greatest chapter? They say Romans 8. If you were to push on them and say, what's the greatest verse in Romans 8? This is the one that they would likely pick. It says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. What a verse. This is the GOAT verse. And, and why is it so powerful? It's because this verse, it's, it's a soft pillow for a tired heart. It's a soft pillow for a tired heart. I don't know what you've gone through. I don't know what you're currently going through. I do know this, according to that verse. If you love God, the creator of everything, the king of the universe, he is actively working everything together for your good. And some of you want to push back on that. Like, well, this isn't good, this isn't good, this isn't good. I want to be clear. The situation you're going through, the situation you're in, it could very well not be good. It could be bad. But it doesn't say it's all going to be good. It says God will work it all together for good. Even in your failures, God is working. That's an encouragement to me because I don't got it together, y'all. Like, I still mess up. I make the wrong choice. Even when we mess up, God is working it all together for good. Sometimes the stuff that's going on in your life is, is bad. And uh, you feel the pain of that situation. God's going to work it out for good. I think one way, it's not the only way, that sometimes there's just situations that are hard. I heard one pastor say that sometimes God will put us on rock bottom. So that the only way we can look is up. Like, oh, that's good, man. It's possible that maybe the situation you're in, God is using to get your attention. I'm not saying God put you in that bind, but he's using that current situation to get your attention. I want you to think about it this way. If God can use uh, the horrible death of his perfect son to bring us salvation, I promise you, he can bring good out of uh, whatever is going on in your life. If he can turn evil and to salvation, I promise you he can handle what's going on in your life. He continues, he goes, we're going to hop into verse 31. It says, what shall we say about such wonderful things? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? 
Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with him. Who will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Who dares accuse us as no one? Who dares uh, condemn us? No one. I, I want to focus on one thing here. It's not because of anything we've done. Who can accuse us? No one. Why? For God has given us right standing with himself. Who can condemn us? No one. Why? It says, for Christ Jesus. The greatest encouragement that I can give you is that God is the one who's holding it all together. I don't know if you've ever felt uh, the stress of life with whatever storm you're going through where it just feels like it's all on your shoulders. Like, like if, I, if I don't do this, like things are going to go really bad. It's all on me. I know I've had those seasons. It feels like it's all on me. I'm holding everything together. He is the one who holds it all together. And he is the one who's going to work it all together for good. He is the one who saves you, right? right? It's not about him. It's all about, uh, I'm sorry, it's not about you. I almost got that bad. That would have been, it's not about you. It's all about him. Uh, I heard a, heard a story uh, this past week, and it was about a little boy, uh, a little boy who wanted to join a church. And this, young, this, this little boy, he talks to a man of the church, uh, like a, like an usher or something, and he asks this little boy, he says, hey, why do you want to join the church? Uh, and this boy says, well, God's done his part and I've done mine, so I'd like to join the church. Uh, this confused the man, and so he went and talked to the leaders of the church, and he, they said, hey, go ask him, uh, what, ask that boy, what was your part in salvation? So this man, he, go, he goes back, goes to the little boy, and he says, what was your part and what was God's part? You said you did your part, God did his part. What was, what was your part in this? And this, this little boy replies, my part was the sinning. God's part was the saving. And it's like, it ain't about us. It's all about Jesus. He is the one who gives us right standing with God. Who can accuse us? Who can condemn us? No one. Not because of anything we've done, but it's all because of Jesus. There's nothing we've done to earn this gift. It is a free gift of God. In verse 35 it says, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Doesn't mean he no longer loves us if we have calamity or trouble or are persecuted, hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ Jesus who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither fears for today nor worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed to us in Christ Jesus our Lord. You can have trouble, calamity, persecution, you can be hungry, in danger, or threatened to death. None of those things can separate you from the love of Jesus. Romans 8, that was the last verse, Romans 8, 39. Romans 8, it started with saying, there's no condemnation. No one can condemn you. And it ends with saying, no separation. No one can condemn you and nothing can separate you. From God's love. 
Nothing can change the fact that as a child of God, there's no condemnation for you. Nothing can change the fact that as a child of God, you have no separation from his love. Nothing can change the fact that God is working all things together for your good. All things. He is working everything. All the stresses, all the good things, all the bad things, everything in your life right now, God is trying to weave together so that it all comes to good. Even the bad things. And there's, there's another wrinkle to this passage. Uh, over and over, Paul, he uses language that it doesn't refer to an individual, but he refers to uh, a group of people. It's in, the, it's in the plural form. He says, what can separate us? Who can condemn us? He says, God is for us. It goes, us, 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 us. It's bringing us together. Because if you are a child of God, you have a new family. It's no longer just about me, it's about us. See, God created us for community. We need one another. And I, this side of heaven, the community around you is never going to be perfect. It's never going to be perfect. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't pursue it. Because I know, like, hypothetically, that community is something that everybody yearns to have around you. Like a group of people who have your backs and can support you in those trying times. Uh, but what the problem is, is if we want those people, that means we've got to let them in. And they're going to see the mess that our lives are. And they're going to see how things aren't going as well as uh, maybe we, we put off that they are. Or, or maybe that's not you. Maybe you just don't want to hop into somebody else's mess, right? <laughs> You've ever been there? Like, that's your problem. I don't want to deal with that, right? Tim Keller, he says it this way, if you want the surpassing power of God in your life, you have to plunge yourself into a community because God's power works in your life to the degree you are involved in community. There's something about the power of God that moves through the people of God. If God created us for community and God works through community, then we need to be intentional about putting the right community around us. Because the truth is, everyone, everybody in here, you are creating a community around you. It's not always a community that you've thought about. Sometimes that just happens by accident. You need to gather with the people of God more than an hour on Sundays. You need that. Like, I'm going to be direct today. You need to go sign up for a group today when we get out of here, all right? Uh, to commit for the next six weeks six weeks to intentionally grow as a Jesus follower, to grow deeper into your church community. You need that. We need one another. Joe's going to lead us in one final song. And as he does, I want you, as we worship, maybe you want to sing, you want to let a lot, maybe you just want to hear everybody in here singing together. You want to hear the corporate worship of others. As we worship in this last song, I want you to reflect on the community you've surrounded yourself with? Is it the us that Paul talks about over and over again in Romans 8, the family of God? Or is it something else? So let's stand. Let's sing one song. I want you to think about the community around you.